Well, hello everybody. This is Steve Hutto with Harvest Celebration Ministries and the Missions Community. Thank you for stopping by and listening to my podcast. My prayer is that you will be blessed and encouraged today by the teaching that I present to you. I'm going to be teaching from Romans chapter 6. I'm going to start a teaching that will probably be at least more than one, possibly two or three sessions. It's called, Who Are You and What Are You? Or I guess better said, Who and What Are You? And we're going to start with Romans chapter 1. So the scripture says in, excuse me, Romans chapter 6, verse 1, Paul says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection." knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Verse 8, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death is no longer master over Him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now there are several things that Paul says in this passage that I'm not going to cover every single thing right now. And I'm going to key in just a few moments, uh, starting with verse 10, verses 10 through 14. But I want to bring up a couple of scriptures, and we'll probably come back to this. But Paul says in verse 1, or verse 2, he says, May it never be, but he asked this question. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? How shall we who died to sin still live in sin? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, Jesus, have been baptized into his death. Now Paul asked this question, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? This is the theme of this whole long passage of Scripture, that we are dead to sin. Now I'll talk about this in a minute, but remember this, dead people do not sin. I've never seen a dead person sin. They don't sit up in their casket, you know, at the funeral home during the viewing and, and, and start cussing or telling dirty jokes or something like that. But dead people do not sin. And so Paul wants to establish the fact that 
Those who are born again by the Spirit of God are dead to sin because of what He did. And so he goes on to say that, don't you know that we who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? In other words, he's talking about a baptism here now that's not water baptism. He's talking about being saved, being born again. We who are born again by the Spirit of God, you know, according to the work of the cross that Jesus did, we who are born again, who are baptized into Christ, we're baptized into His death. Here's another way to put it. When you become born again, you become connected with the death of Jesus. It's all about the cross, right? Jesus came. He hung on the cross so that you and I could die to sin when He died. So when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, then immediately when our spirit is reborn, we become connected not only to His death, but to His death and His resurrection as well. So when we become born again, we'll see this in a minute a little bit deeper, we become connected to the death of Jesus on the cross. Paul wants to give extreme significance here, or he wants to reveal to us, truthfully, the extreme significance of Jesus' death on the cross, and then of course his resurrection three days later. So I'm going to pick it up in Romans chapter 6 again. In verse, uh, verse number 10, he says, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. And in verse 11, he said, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So, let's talk about that for just a moment. He died to sin, Jesus did, and he lives to God. Again, the death that he died, he died to sin. Now the scripture says this, y'all, I want you to understand this, that Jesus died to sin once for all. We need to digest that. We know that he died to sin, and he only had to do it once. When he hung on the cross and said, it is finished My friend, it was done. One time, he had to die. And when he did, it was done. He died to sin once. And he died to sin for everybody. Everyone who has ever lived. Everyone who is living now. And everyone who will will, uh, live in the future. Until Jesus comes back and takes us away. Everyone from Adam and Eve forward, He died for. He died one time. doesn't have to come back and do it again. He doesn't need somebody else to supplement His death on the cross by dying themselves. He died to sin one time for all, for everybody, for every person. Now, I want you to understand this, that when Jesus died... He didn't need any help from anybody else. And the reason he died one time for everybody, catch this now, is because he was the only one qualified to die for us. He was the only one that was sinless. As a matter of fact, 
the Gospels tell us that John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming to be baptized in the Jordan River, he looked upon Jesus and said, Behold, look everybody, see that guy over there? That is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now they understood this terminology because they were Jewish people. They understood the Passover in which a lamb had to be offered. They understood the sacrificial system that was still in operation back then. And so they knew what the Lamb of God was in a natural sense. But he said, look, there's the Lamb of God. There's the offering. There's the sacrifice for everybody, it only takes him one time, and it's for everybody, and that's the one that takes away the sin of the world. Now let's connect that to his death. When Jesus hung on the cross, he took the sin of all the world upon himself. And let me just back up and say this again. There was no one else qualified to do that but Jesus. You see, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, but the thing is, she was a virgin. It was a miracle. His seed didn't come from man. His seed came from God the Father. So when she was born, uh, when he was born, excuse me, of the womb of a human virgin, he was also born of God because the Scripture says that Jesus was conceived of by the Holy Spirit. The holy child that's been conceived of, the angel Gabriel said, shall be called the Son of God. That's incredible. And so when Jesus was born, he was born of man, but he was also born of God. And the fact that he was born of God means he had no sin nature like everybody else. Every person from Adam and Eve forward who will exist, Jesus died for because they were born into this world of human nature or human flesh with a human nature. Adam and Eve, from Adam and Eve forward... Since the fall of man, since Adam and Eve fell, man is born with a sinful nature. You could also say man is born uh, into um, habitual sin. That's the nature we have. And so our, our spirit and our nature has to be renewed by the Spirit of God when we become born again. And so my point in all this is there was no one ever ever lived since then until Jesus came on the scene that was qualified to take away the sins of the world. That's why John reacted the way he did, John the Baptist. So Jesus came and he died one time for everybody. I can't really say that enough. You probably noticed that. But now as Jesus hung on the cross, I want you to understand that Jesus took upon the sin of all mankind as He hung on the cross. Now, a lot of people, when we think about the sacrifice of Jesus, we think about, we think about Jesus giving up His life so that we could live. And that's true. And, and not only a natural sense, but a spiritual sense. And I don't want to in any way minimize the significance of the sacrifice part of what Jesus did But let me say this, the sacrifice that Jesus did for you and me goes much deeper than someone who just died in our place. I mean, you think about it. Look at all the people throughout the centuries and throughout the years in human history that have died in order to save someone else's life. You know, starting with the military, with public service uh, workers like firemen and policemen and and just people wanting to keep someone else from dying, you know, people dying for family members, 
people giving up organs for other people. You know, these are all sacrifices. And so, you know, to sacrifice your life for someone else is, is the ultimate offering. It's the ultimate gift you could give somebody because you offer your life so that they may keep their life. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. But I want you to understand that it went so much further than that for you and me. He didn't just do it for me. He didn't just do it for you. He did it for everybody. But now let's go back. He's on the cross, and the Scripture says that as He hung on the cross, He took upon, He bore your sins and my sins. Now I want you to think about this. Think about the fact that your sin was placed upon Him. I mean, you can't even bear your sin. I can't even bear my sin. I mean, when I struggle with certain sins or struggle with negative attitudes or or things that we normally struggle with, the flesh part of us, even though we're Christians, you know, we have victory over that. But when I struggle with some of those things, it can be pretty hard. Think about every sin you've ever committed, having to be responsible for that, and then multiply that times every person that's ever lived, living and ever will live, and try to bear that. I mean, Jesus bore the sin of every human being that's ever lived and will live and living. Now think about this. The Scripture says that for three agonizing, grueling hours, Jesus hung on the cross and it was dark. The middle of the day, the sky turned dark. You know, Hollywood portrays it as a, as a bad thunderstorm, but really what was happening, nature itself was reacting to all of the sin, all of the evil that's ever been put on one person hanging on the cross. It was concentrated on one hill over in the Middle East, on Calvary's hill. Calvary's cross. It was all the evil in the world was concentrated so much that some say the earth quaked. The Bible does. The Bible says it was dark for three hours. Jesus bore that sin. Now think about this. Think about the heaviest weight there ever is. Maybe a planet. And Jesus was holding that that big ball up. He was holding that weight of your sins and my sins up. He had to bear those sins. And he he had to endure the consequences, the feelings of those, the sensations of those sins, if you will. And Jesus was hanging there. And it got dark for three hours. Something supernatural happened. It was hideous though. It It was like all of Satan and his kingdom was rejoicing and darkness was free for a moment in that area because it was all on one man, on Jesus. And at the end of that three hours... We don't know why it was only three hours. I mean, thank God it was only three hours. But I mean, it was like three million years, I'm sure. But for some reason, it was enough. At some point, Jesus had borne your sins and my sins and the sins of the world long enough. I don't know if the Holy Spirit signified this to Him or God the Father. But at some point, Jesus said these words. He says, It is finished. Now, he still had to die. He still had to rise from the dead. So he didn't mean that the work of the cross was finished. Listen to me carefully, my friend. Jesus meant that the sins of the world had been born and it was enough. 
to satisfy the requirement for every person who's ever lived, who's living, and who will live to be in right standing with God. And somehow Jesus knew it. It was long enough and He said it was finished and your sins and my sins had been born. It was after this point that Jesus said, all right, Jesus basically yielded up His own spirit. Because not even all the sin of the world placed upon Him could kill Him. He had power over that. But He still had to die because having the sin of the world upon Himself, bearing the sin of the world, and then dying, willfully giving up His Spirit, He wasn't overtaken with sin. He wasn't murdered by sin. He wasn't apprehended and died because of the intenseness of the sin. No, He bore the sin. And then He gave up His Spirit because He has power over death. And He entered into death so that He could die to that sin. And again, let me tell you, a dead person cannot sin. That's why uh, Paul said, don't you know that when we are baptized into Christ Jesus, when we become saved, we are baptized into His death. Listen, my friend, if you're born again today, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and, and your life has changed and He's living in you and you're living for Him, then you're connected to that death, meaning that sin is no longer master over you. You are dead to sin. You are dead to sin. And I am so excited. I'm so happy. I'm so relieved over the fact that Jesus died for my sins. He died to sin. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the Scripture says, the life that He lives, He lives to God. Now before I go into the resurrection part, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, He, God the Father, made Him Jesus who knew no sin. Remember we talked about it. He had no sin nature. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You see, to be the righteousness of God doesn't mean that you're perfect or you're flawless. But to be the righteousness of God means that you're in right standing with God. You have peace with God and you've made your peace with Him. And not only is the good news that when you die you'll go to heaven, but you begin to live a life living for Him in this life. But the life, the Scripture says this, but the death that He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life that He lives, He lives to God. Now you know the story of the true event, but I mean... Three days later, Jesus came up out of the grave. And so the power of sin had been broken over us when He died. And so we were dead to sin. Think about it again. A dead person laying in a casket in a funeral home during the viewing does not sin. Why? Because they're dead. And dead people cannot sin. But in Jesus' case, He didn't stay dead. Three days later, He rose from the dead and the power that brought Him up out of the grave, this resurrection power, it was so powerful that He came up out of the grave and now He lives to God. The Scripture says that because of His obedience to come to the earth and do what He did, he is, His name and He was exalted high above all power and authority and might and dominion. And he has a name so high that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He is Lord. His name is above all now because of what he did. 
He was conceived of, the holy child conceived of in the, in the Virgin Mary's womb, Gabriel again said, shall be called the Son of God. His name is Jesus. Gabriel told Joseph, the father of Jesus, the earthly father of Jesus, that his name will be called Jesus, Jehovah who saves. It's highly exalted because he's living to God now. He's at the right hand of God, the right hand of power, far above all rule and authority. And I love scriptures like Luke ten nineteen that say, Jesus says to his disciples and therefore he says to you and me, Behold, I have given unto you authority, exousia, jurisdiction, power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall injure you by any means. That's powerful stuff. That's because Jesus lives and when we're baptized into Christ... When we're saved, we're connected to His death. And in the same way, we're connected. In the same way that He lives to God, we are connected to the life that He now lives to the Father. Resurrection power. I mean, I can't even begin to wrap my mind. I need the Holy Spirit to even begin to do this around the power that Jesus had that He came up out of the grave with. I mean, Paul says that the same power that brought him out of the grave shall quicken your mortal bodies. What that means is, as a mortal human being born with a sin nature, my friend, you can now have the life-giving, quickening, uh, resurrection power of Jesus living in you now. He's not just talking about when you are changed in the twinkling of an eye and you go to be with Jesus or the rapture. He's talking about when you're born again. If you're connected with His death through knowing Jesus, you're also connected with this life that he came up out of the grave with. That same life, Paul said, will quicken your mortal body. It's quickened mine. That simply means it will bring to life. That life will come inside of you and you live for Jesus. And you see and experience supernatural feats because the same power that brought Jesus up out of the grave is now living in you. Man, that's good stuff. So Jesus died to sin, and now He lives to God. And because He died to sin, we also are dead to sin, and we also live to God in Christ Jesus. That's such a powerful scripture. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life that He lives, He lives to God. And in verse 11, Paul says this, Even so, Or you could say, in the same way that Jesus actually died to sin and lives to God, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Wow. It's in Christ Jesus. It's only in Jesus that we can be dead to sin and alive to God. It's only in Christ that we can be the righteousness of God. Of God. Only in Christ. Only in Jesus am I dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So, what I must do, according to Paul, is reckon myself dead. I'm a dead person concerning sin. I didn't die to sin myself, Jesus did. And I've asked him into my heart. Therefore, when Jesus died, I died. And when I asked Jesus into my heart, 
I, I also began to experience resurrection life. Why? Because when Jesus died three days later, He rose again. And the power that brought Him up out of the grave now lives in me. Is that exciting or what? This is who and what you are. You know, you are part of the body of Christ. You are the righteousness of God. That's what you are. And, and, and you are property of Jesus Christ. You are dead to sin, but alive to Christ, alive to God in Christ. That's who and what you are. And a lot of times we struggle with sin because we don't consider who and what we are. I mean, we all do. But when you begin to consider and when you begin to search out Scripture like these that tell you who and what you are in Christ and in Christ alone, then you begin to get the victory over those things that you struggle with in the natural. You see, if, if you are born again, you are, whether you know it or not, and listen, whether you believe it or not, you are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. But the Scripture also says whoever you present yourself to as a slave to, that's who you serve. And that's who you're gonna that's that's who you're gonna render service to, and then you will reap the benefits thereof. So you can be a born-again Christian, dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus, with resurrection power coming out your nostrils and your ears. But if you choose to serve sin, if you choose to obey sin in certain areas, then you will reap the rewards, which are not really rewards, but you will reap the consequences of the sin that you serve. Now listen to this. Paul said this in verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. And I'm going to have to close because I'll pick up on this. But listen. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your body that you should obey its lust. So right now, from a Christian perspective, from a, a dead to sin but alive to God perspective... The only way that sin can reign in your mortal body, in your flesh, is if you let it. So Paul says, since you're dead to sin and alive to God, therefore consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God, and do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. Now watch this. And again, I'm going to go deeper on this next time. But in verse 13 he says, and do not go on presenting the members of your body as sin, or excuse me, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Wow. So the way we allow sin to reign in our mortal body is that we present the members of our body. It could be our eyes. It could be our ears. It could be other parts of our body. We present them to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. We have to stop that. But instead, we present ourselves to God as those alive from the dead and our members as, as instruments of righteousness to God. Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I'm sure you've heard this. He said, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, 
but transformed by the renewing of your mind, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So now that we're dead to sin and alive to God, we have to present ourselves to God. We have to present our members as instruments of righteousness to God. Otherwise, we can still choose to obey those areas of sin in our lives to which we were formerly enslaved and stay enslaved even as a born-again, dead-to-sin, alive-to-God Christian. And I'm going to stop there with part one. I'll pick it up part two when we're talking about, as we're talking about, who and what are you or who and what you are in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we are what we are. In Christ, we are who we are and in Christ alone. That's why it's so important that we trust in Jesus, not only for our salvation, but for our walk from that point forward. Hey, thanks for joining me on my podcast. This is Steve Hutto with Harvest Celebration Ministries. Check us out when you get a chance. We're at www.harvcell.com. That's H-A-R-V-C-E-L.com. And uh, we do missions work. We're a missions organization. We reach into India. We reach into Honduras as well. Check us out. And once again, thanks for checking out my podcast. You have a very blessed day.